Our guest today is a fitness enthusiast, go-getter by nature, and co-founder COO of a startup that has over 11.5 million users. It is none other than Jayam Vora who started Fitternity, India's first and largest marketplace and booking platform for fitness services. Fitternity has catered millions of users, obtained over 8.5 million dollars in funding, and is operating with a network of 12,000 fitness centers and gyms in India. In today's episode, Jayam talks about destiny and his entrepreneurial spirit in starting Fitternity. He answers how and why did they start fraternity disrupting the fitness space in 2013 challenges they faced and decisions that were made to build fraternity such a successful business Jayam also talks about starting his career right after graduation with a technology startup in the healthcare space and spending the last 7 years understanding and working towards solving challenges faced by the indian user in their pursuit towards a healthier lifestyle Finally, Jam gives tips to new and upcoming founders and co-founders on things they should do and avoid to be successful. Listen to the entire episode to find out more. We are three friends who are talking and learning from interesting people working in various industries, sharing their stories and journey so far. These are your hosts, Hiloni Bunadar, Atit Kothari, and tapandesai and this is what the hat subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes so everyone today we have jayam vora with us and let's deep dive into our conversation and know more about his journey like you had an interesting transition from engineering to a startup right as a, as a serial entrepreneur also so what led you to this path so i think you know um i think part of it was just destiny and part of it was me wanting to do something out of the box um i think if i was to kind of retract my engineering journey i think towards the end of it uh, you know what i realized is that while you know i really enjoyed kind of learning the nuts and bolts of being an engineer my uh, personal interests were a little different i wanted to do something which was um a little different from what i had studied and i think uh, so if i was to just go back and kind of recap um, you know in my college placements i had got a couple of uh, you know jobs per se but i was not very keen on kind of moving ahead with them and a senior of mine from college actually was doing a startup in the healthcare space and uh, you know he said why don't you come on board as an intern so i actually went there uh, and surprisingly so he had told me that there were around 14 to 15 interns you know from the same college that had actually you know worked with him uh, but i think a day into my internship he said why don't you do a permanent job so that came kind of as a surprise to me and i said okay this makes sense so the, i think that was my uh, i think it was more luck that I actually ended up there and uh, you know I, my first job was a startup i worked there for a year and i think what i realized is that the kind of work that you get to do in a startup and the ability to build something from scratch was something that really excited me and uh, personally saw that and i was there in that company for a year i saw it you know kind of go from 
say four five of us to 200 of us in the first year right and that's when i said that hey this is what i want to do i i don't think i could do a standard job so um so that's what my thought process was and again towards fraternity which is the current company that i run um again this was a lot of destiny that kind of played in here so let uh, so on a tuesday in 2013 someone told me hey there's this platform called linkedin why don't you update your resume and i said hey i have a job at a startup i don't need to do that but then i went on that platform i found it good and i updated my resume okay and on a wednesday i got a message uh, from this particular lady who was starting a startup called fraternity and she was saying that hey i am doing research and i found your uh, profile online can we connect and uh, that for me is clear destiny because hey if i had not updated my linkedin profile she wouldn't have found me right and i think that's when i kind of met my co-founder and i think from there uh, i was you know she she had done a conventional job before i had only done a startup and i think it was a good match um, and i think that's when we started off with fraternity and uh, completing i think around 7 years in this space I, for me i think the way i look at um, you know working my entire life i i doubt that i'll be able to do a conventional job for me i think it's it's about the fast paced life and, and i think i've got used to it um, obviously there are a lot of ups and downs in this kind of uh, space but i think i'm used to it now so i i i, I love what i'm doing now yeah if that answers your question right yeah absolutely um, it's it's amazing uh, uh, how destiny played a role right so random uh, i think even uber had a similar story right where he just posted a tweet uh, like he's looking for a co-founder and the rest is history as they say yeah that's that's and a fun story like you said like once an entrepreneur always an entrepreneur it's it's very difficult to go back to something different and probably uh, also like the kind of uh energy and the feel that you get by making even the smallest decision turn out into something substantial i mean it, it's a different feeling overall uh so jam you you talked about fraternity so let's like we know you met your uh, co-founder from linkedin but like how did you guys think about fraternity and like how what led it led to the launch because fraternity was like in 2008 13 that's way ahead of its time having an online platform for um german activity so like how did you guys come about with the idea i know i think very valid question right i think see when we were looking at the space in 2013 14 what we realized is that you know the indian ecosystem from a startup and a online platform point of view was really booming right um but when you look at the way it was kind of growing that you know everyone was trying to make you travel buy stuff you know rent cabs um you know do a bunch of load of that a lot of spend was happening on healthcare but actually there was no one who was focusing on preventive healthcare or fitness right and i think that's what really struck us we said that hey there's a marketplace for absolutely everything in the world right now except for fitness and health right and i think that's what really inspired us see i think the whole th- uh, the reason why we feel this is important is that if india has to actually get to that 5 trillion economy number you need the major component of that is actually a very strong workforce right and your workforce remains strong when they are both mentally and physically fit if your employees your uh, co-partners if they're fit 
and we all know that when you're fit your decision making is enhanced your ability to kind of put in long hours is enhanced and we said that this is something in india which is really going to shoot up and that's when we kind of got started with fraternity now if i was look at it in the quantitative point of view i think two three data points really shook us right one was on google there were more than 13 million searches happening on fitness near me as a keyword term in india in 2013 that's massive right and uh, how many of how, how what percent of indians are working out the answer was very less so the idea and the thought process was that preventive healthcare fitness is in conversations currently people are on the fence hence they are going online 99% of gyms in india don't have a website so that latent demand that is getting created online is just going waste so can a platform can come in provide that bridge for you to move from just intent that i want to get fit and searching for a gym to actually go ahead going ahead and taking the next step right and i think that's where uh, fitonty was born and initially it was a discovery platform which helped say you find familiarize uh, with fitness centers around you and help you take an informed decision which in india at that point was very difficult and the local search engines were more horizontalized so really knowing uh, what's the best gym you know what kind of yoga class is not dingy but the right one for you to go is was actually a challenge so i think that's how we started what were like some of the initial challenges i mean getting so many fitness centers on board each of them having their own model of like onboarding uh, people uh, what were like initial set of challenges that you faced when you were like starting out uh, getting the right set of people or more set of like basically uh, workout places on your uh, platform i think you know we run a marketplace and every marketplace has the backbone of its supply right and i think what we realized over a period of time is that we really need to bring about behavioral change in the way suppliers in india are kind of conducting their business right so if i if i was to retrack the challenges and the journey i think the first challenge was actually creating a standardized rate card for a gym i mean when you are in india and i'm sure you guys must have done this you walk into a gym the person who bargains the best goes out with the best deal right that's how it used to work you bargain your heart out you pay by cash and you get a membership right so we said that this doesn't work uh, we need to standardize this so i think the biggest challenge that we face early on was to actually convince gyms to say that hey if you are listing yourself online the lead generation model will not work it has to be a transactional model the way it is in travel space in in you know in the e-commerce space so you have to put out a standardized price and then give the ability for a user to actually buy at that price right i think that was the biggest challenge uh, in my opinion it took massive leg work and massive effort to kind of you know get uh, these gyms to agree to that um, you know i think as we move moved ahead uh, you know our business model transformed from just selling gym memberships to actually sell a a subscription product that we call one pass which gives a user access to all the gyms swimming pools etc in in their particular city or country so that's what the business model became and this was the toughest part because we had to convince gyms whose business model was about selling you gym memberships and forgetting about the customer to now actually allow users to pay per session so come in for a session not be locked in for a year if you like it come back if you don't like it don't come back right so i think that was absolutely maybe the biggest uh, hurdle 
but i think now we've been able to kind of pass through that right and i think that and and for us it was more of saying that only when you are going to give the consumer in india a model which they relate to a model that works for them is when you're going to expect consumption otherwise we're going to be in the business of taking one customer from one gym to the other the overall pool is not going to increase it's going to grow 2% year on year and is that going to help your business no right so we said that we need to on the consumer side create a model that works and i think through insights of over 10 million users on our platform we put our hand down and said yeah this is the model and on the supply side we said hey you need to change otherwise this is not going to work so i think that shift was super awesome um i think our biggest challenge so like uh, what kind of retention uh, are you saying like you, you know like if if the user is going only paying per session right and the reason for locking in the user was that now you're here you can't go anywhere right at least for a year so now that uh, you you were giving that option where you can pay per session are you seeing users come back for the next session and become a loyal member what is that conversion rate like right so i think you know when you look at the membership model for a gym uh, what you see is year one economics and they seem awesome that you know you got so many users they never came to the gym so you get good could get more users uh, but when you look at the year two economics the best gyms in india only manage to retain less than 15% of their annual members and if you and then that makes it actually a treadmill business every year users are dropping off and you're back to square one right and that's what used to happen with us on the membership business we used to acquire a lot of users by gym memberships and then year two pretty much either they're shifting gyms or they're not interested right so that's when we came up with the per use model and we came up with the pay, uh, subscription model if i was to look at the cohorts on the subscription model side uh, an average indian user works out 6 to 8 times a month but a average indian user on the one pass which is the subscription product actually works out 11 times a month so we've already brought up consumption by making it easy by giving him or her the access to go to gyms near their house near your office when you're traveling if you're bored go to go for a swim go for a squat session so i think that one uh, aspect worked a uh, retention for us on the subscription product is already 65% which is in our opinion is great which is almost four times of what it was on the membership model and on the per use uh, model the retention at a say at a monthly level is around 40% so there are users who would just use a great spa or a great uh, gym at a particular five star hotel once in a month because it's more of leisure use and then there are users who are working out four to five times a month and just makes sense for them to pay per session then you know lock themselves in so yeah that's i think how it's working yeah wow, that's i think pretty it, interesting yeah it's one of those counter intuitive model like where instead of locking in and creating a bad experience you give them some freedom you never know they might become like a much loyal uh, customer instead of uh, you know not going after not enrolling for the second year they might become like a multi year uh, user because you are setting up a very um uh flexible model for the user yeah right and i think from there like uh, in the seven year journey of fraternity uh, there have been a lot of like probably competition and even like standalone gyms coming into an aggregator model and probably new kind of fitness places like cult and all of these coming into picture like how has that impacted like the overall journey for fraternity Right, so I think we've we've seen competition competition in multiple formats. You know, as you rightly put it, 
um one has been the marketplace model which is similar to ours um you know there were a lot of bright companies trying to do this there were around 14 15 companies uh, you know in our space just fortunately we've been the first movers we've been able to scale up raise money at the right time so we've fortunately been a step ahead uh, and i feel given covid now i don't see too much competition left in the marketplace uh, currently uh, i think on the other side you know it's very interesting when a particular gym chain or a set of gyms try to um, uh, delve into technology themselves then that becomes com- competitive in its own sense right um, but i think what we really focus on and what we believe is that 98% of service providers in india are stand alone these are either you know your yoga classes or your stand alone gyms so what we're really trying to aggregate and standardize is that 98% right and the for the remaining 2% it would always be the relationship that a marriott hotels would have with a booking.com you're never going to go off the booking.com but you're going to run a loyalty program which will uh, say supersede it right uh, so i think that's the kind of uh, relation or synergy that we have with these gym chains you know who who do that and uh, i think see we we've uh, i think where we drive our uniqueness is from the point that we'll be able to offer a lot of convenience variety and uh, flexibility that a standalone center or a chain cannot and i think that works very well for a segment of users and it also works very well for uh, you know large corporations so today if you are a company wanting to have your um, you know employees start a fitness activity conventionally you would either open a gym in your uh, center or you would give them a gym membership near office but what if the guy wants to work out near their house right what if the late uh, you know the women do not want to go to the gym what if they want to go dance class what if someone wants to play tennis right and i think those are aspects that kind of help uh, leverage our position as against other competition and then you talked about uh, your partner so like how is working like starting a company with a partner and like what like how have you guys divided your role and like did you have to argue about what role you guys were going to play or it just fell into place right i think you know we've been very lucky here and i you know i really believe that for you to have co-founders um your personality should complement each other um and i think that's worked very well in our in our uh, in our case we've uh, we've naturally been able to divide work not not that we sat down and said you do this i do that i think slowly and gradually start realizing hey you can do this better and i can kind of do this better so i think that's how we split our work and i am uh, very very i have a you know i'm very happy that i have a co-founder like her uh, you know uh, she's been very supportive and humble in our approach i am not as humble so i think we make a good pair that way uh, and i think uh, and i think it's just worked very well and i think 7 years is proof case to the point that you know we make a good team and i've seen a lot of my startup friends uh, you know where two friends kind of open a startup 5 years later the startup is either sold or shut but they're no longer friends right so i think that this yeah. is one of the most important parts of running uh, a startup and fortunately i think we've got it right i mean unless you know we do an interview a year later and we've split uh, then i don't know but currently it's all going <laughs> <laughs> awesome and i think from there like since you were scaling up into a 
model from where you had enough suppliers and now it was more from a customer acquisition point of view like what were your key places where you were able to kind of narrow down and double up on okay these are the places where we are getting like max maximum roi on our customers or best uh, retention on our customer or the quali- quality of customers is better like how did you divide your own marketing funnels yeah so i think you know uh, that's a very interesting question i think see the way we looked at it we believe there are three sources through which you can amplify your marketing effort the first is actually the gym so if you are going to make 5000 gyms into 5000 retail mouthpieces for you by having the right interesting branding at those outlets uh, you're going to reach out to 5000 into all the members who come there right which is more than like half a million people so i think that was very important we try to come up with really cool quirky uh, branding that we could set up at the gyms which subtly put the point forward in the right manner uh you know we we saw that working very well because a lot of instagram posts used to have hashtag fraternity and you know our uh, collaterals in the background so i think that was good i think the second mode that works for us is is word of mouth and i think we try to super incentivize that with a referral program so we incentivize user x to say that invite another 10 users and you, we're going to make your membership free for the next year right so i think those kind of uh, super incentivized programs with the right economics work and i think that uh, so in the subscription product 40% of users come from referral which is superb right and i think the third uh, channel that has worked very for very well for us has been social uh, because i think on social people are are kind of looking at things very aspirationally uh, when people are searching on google they know what they want and they're going to eventually find you so you need to focus more on seo and organic content than actually spending money uh, but on social i think people are very aspirational and if you put out something uh, in a way that you a user would want to be that or would want to do that i think that has worked very well for us so instagram another channel that works pretty well uh, i think we've you know like all large uh, growth startups we've done the radio ads and the you know billboards and all of that but i feel that from a real roi point of view uh, if you get 1 2 and 3 right i think those uh, metrics will always give you better economics than all the large formats of marketing which are obviously needed as you scale up and it gives you fast money but i think having a strong foundation is very important absolutely i mean every brand does try like all the mediums and then figures out okay what's working best for them and like you rightly said like social has been a primary thing for aspiring and also for accountability like a lot of people are able to have that engagement and retain that because a lot of people use social as an accountability platform for their health fitness journey cool so how do you uh, continue to learn and you know to stay on top of things within your role do you have certain um, you know um, like subscriptions maybe you read a lot or uh, you meet a lot of people right uh, i think you know in a startup uh, there there's endless learning because what happens is that you're constantly evolving as a company right so say fraternity 2 years uh, from today say for example in 2017 was at around 2 million users and currently it's at say 11 million users right so that exponential growth uh, keeps happening every 2 years and hence the way you have to go about 
your work um, and 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 that scale up tremendously teaches you a lot right if i was to just recap my journey as a startup founder you've pretty much done everything you've you know you've done everything from accounting to business development to marketing to technology to uh, fundraising uh, legal all of that right i mean i never imagined that i would actually be filing uh, year end financials this is something i never like doing but now you have to do that um, i never thought that i would actually kind of be reading um, you know agreements uh, you know that we have with our investors again that's such a different learning right from from the usual so i think uh, a startup will always have endless learning that is obviously in the case that the startup is growing in in the way you want it to grow or proportionately uh, i think how there's i don't know if you can keep yourself ahead of the curve but i think you have to keep yourself nimble enough to bend with the curve here uh, i think what really helps is to not make the same mistakes twice uh, what really helps here is to kind of uh, you know uh, learn from a lot of consumer insights and uh, look at things more differently over a period of time uh, i think at least in my opinion what i feel is that the way i used to look at consumer supply has automatically evolved uh, due to the work and exposure of the last few years so i feel that uh, every time we scale up i i have also been able to scale up myself personally and as a derivative of the company scaling up and not uh, by any isolated upskillment right um, and i feel that you know so it's great to kind of have mentors and we have a lot of great people uh, supporting us but i think uh, what we've at least learned the hard way is that in the end it's your decision and in the end you know you need to kind of know what you're doing right because the amount of time that you spend uh, you know doing what you're doing in the company no one has spent so much time in you know doing what you're doing so you're the best person to take that call so i think that's that's the way we look at it and i think one thing that we've really learned over a period of time is that um, uh, don't ever get emotionally attached to certain aspects of your business so if you launch something new and it fails then it's okay i mean you need to let it go i think the faster you let it go uh, the faster you'll be able to do something else and i think at fraternity we've really evolved we've you know changed a lot of things and you know i mean i i personally few years back thought that a gym would never kind of work on a paper session model and i thought that you know all that is not ever going to work and now i feel that if they you know that's the only model they should work on right so i think that that's a lot of change uh, in thought process yeah and so how do you tackle all the biases you know like how do you change your mind it's so difficult to change uh, you know one's mind do you, do you rely a lot on data uh, or like some certain uh, do you have any models that you follow and also to like add to atit's question like as an entrepreneur i keep facing this uh, decision making dilemma like uh, co- constantly having that insight as to is this going to lead into the right direction or is this the right scale up decision that you're making so how do you like kind of tackle that as well right no i think very valid question so i think you know um, what so i think see there are two three ways to look at it right if if you have a company who has done this before i think for a lot of entrepreneurs it's about doing what the other companies done right and not doing what they've done wrong right and i and i think there is no a loss of pride in accepting that i think that's a way also to kind of build a successful business i think in our case uh, what has happened is that there's not enough proof case in the market because we are the first uh, movers 
in india and india is a very different market from any part of the world right so i think we've we've kind of taken a decision to rely on 70% data and 30% gut i think that's that's the only way we think that you know decisions can be made and i'll tell you why i think 70% data because uh, i think there's enough data which can sometimes it may not give you a it may not tell you what to do right but it can definitely tell you what not to do so if you're thinking that hey this is what we want to do and then you look at the data set and realize that nobody's interested in this so don't do this right so data will never tell you what you should do but it will definitely tell you what you should not do and i think gut is very important because if you are a first mover you know it's about saying that hey my user doesn't know what he wants so what she wants so if you spend enough time in this space then it is your job to kind of come up with something and feel that this is what my user will want and go ahead and take that decision uh, but i think you should always keep yourself on a short lease so the size of the decision uh, will will kind of help you govern or understand how much time you need to see whether it's working or not so if it's a very large scale up then you need 12 months sometimes you know you prematurely look at data for 6 months and say hey this is not working and then maybe it would have actually worked right which has happened with a lot of companies so so i think what we try to do is that we say that the size of the decision will proportionately define how much time you give it to work and then if it doesn't work it doesn't work you shut it down right i think that's that's the way we look at it but i think no product or no business model can take more than 12 months to make sense if if this is not working in 12 months it's either too ahead of your office time or it's just not going to make it's is my opinion and do you like ever face uh, imposter syndrome like going into a decision thinking that no i don't know what i'm doing i don't know this stuff but like you have to do it because you are leading the business so like how do you tackle that that's an interesting question <laughs> um you know i think fortunately that's not happened uh, yeah. i think we've we've uh, been able to uh, you know launch products that we really believe in and i think we've taken our time so uh, let me put it this way the subscription or the paper use model uh, we launched it after 5 years of deliberation we launched it in 2018 so i think a lot of decisions that we've taken are a little uh, i wouldn't say slow but uh, really contemplated and i think that over contemplation then also gives you the uh, i think the comfort to say that hey i think you know you're walking into something that you're sure of Hmm. Hmm. and uh, with being like an in, i mean a company that investors invested into like or uh, to understand your journey from like getting your first investment to regularly uh, updating your investors about your profits and where the company is going and also to understand the life cycle of the company as to when it started making profits like if you would want yeah. to talk more on that yeah you know i think uh, so you know i think there are certain businesses in the world which can grow profitable from day 1 and there are certain businesses in the world can only grow profitable with scale right so i mean you can't expect amazon or uber to be profitable for day 1 because it's a scale business and as soon as you've realized that your business can only grow with scale then the only way to get that scale is to get investors right it's the unfortunate truth of the world that if you are uh, in a business which will only show good unit economics when you are like million users plus 
you if you're not a very large family business then you need capital to get to that million users or create that infrastructure right i think we 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 were very clear from day one that fidelity will only kind of be profitable if it scales to a point right if it has 10000 gyms it has a few million users otherwise this business model does not and i think through that we've uh, you know we've been clear that we had to raise in, uh, investment from uh, you know a bunch of investors over a period of time all the way from angel investors to seed investors to series a series b investors uh, but i think as a as a startup founder i would also want to say that while raising investments and growing your company is the most exciting part it is also the most challenging part uh, from a mental uh, health point of view because i think you really need to have the stomach to be able to take the rejection and move ahead right uh, we've been invested by a bunch of people but at the same time we've been rejected by a ton of people right uh, mm-hmm. because you know you will definitely find great visionaries who will invest into you who believe in you and that feels great but you also find a ton of people successful people who won't believe in your idea and who will kind of reject it so it's 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 i think it's a journey that a startup founder really needs to get used to uh, you know we've had a lot of emails come in monday morning saying hey we can't invest and that ideally should spoil your entire week but you need to like stomach that and go to office and keep doing what you're doing and then hope that one of the monday emails say that hey we want to invest into you right so i think that's that's kind of been uh, the way this has worked uh, for for us i think we've not only uh, looked at raising money from uh, venture capitalists we've also raised money from uh, you know some of the largest uh, family uh, houses in you know in india some of the most you know in the i would say in one some of the top businessmen in the country and i think along with that money that also brings a lot of uh, expertise and uh, uh, you know that brings in a lot of learning from these individuals because i think they're able to explain um, you know businesses and economics of a different world which is not the startup world and hence uh, you know i think a a, a formula of understanding th- the way those businesses work and then try to apply some of those aspects to your business have really been game changing for us so yeah i think we've raised i think in a total of i think 8 and a half million dollars over the last few years mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think that's where it is but i think also along with the investments uh, your investment raise gives you the best jokes that you can live in, live on till your next investment raise so if someone asked me that what are the best funny moments of um, you know your startup journey 9 out of 10 of them are with investors so i think that's that's also one really uh, funny way to look at it so uh, what are the biggest area you're curious about right now in your field you know i think uh, covid's hit uh, fitness in a good and bad way you uh, know bad way because see, traditionally fitness was done through service providers right your yoga teacher your gym your uh, crossfit box so that almost pretty much shut down across the world right and and while people are some people are still you know now uh, kind of venturing into gyms i think the larger mass is still waiting for the vaccine to come in before you will kind of enter the gym or your crossfit box right so i think that was the bad part of it the good part was it part of it was that i think the awareness that um, fitness in india would have received in 5 years kind of happened in 5 months right because of the fact that 
फिटनेस एंड इम्यूनिटी आर सो क्लोजली यू नो इंटीग्रेटेड सो वी फील दैट देर आर सो मेनी पीपल नाउ हु आर वर्किंग रनिंग साइकिलिंग डूइंग सो मेनी थिंग्स एट यू नो एट होम टू कीप दम सेल्स फिट एंड आई फील दैट स्लोली यू नो दोज यूजर्स विल ऑल्सो स्टार्ट वर्किंग आर थ्रू प्रोफेशनल सर्विसेज वॉट इज रियली इंटरेस्टिंग टू सी इज दैट वेदर दे विल prefer going to the gym or whether will whether they will continue working from home and how will that dynamic shape up right uh, my personal opinion is that 70% of people will still walk into a gym or class because i think it's much more uh, i think vibe and atmosphere driven when it comes to fitness but i also do feel uh, there will be a large set of users who will just want to work out at home through videos and you know different formats so i think that's an area that i am very interested to and intrigued uh you know we've seen companies like peloton do so well in the you know in this covid period uh will that trend continue will people look at home equipment i don't know uh, that's something i'm very interested in but i think see um the other way for me to look at it is that when we started fraternity there was you know you every company has a one point vision right our, our vision was to make india fitter and i think now given the pandemic the ethical moral uh uh the ethical and moral obligation on wanting to that achieve that vision is so much more right because mm-hmm. we honestly feel that you know with pandemics like this you realize that it's actually your health and fitness that is the difference differentiator right and unfortunately what's happened is that the world's been split into young and healthy and you know aged and unhealthy and while yet there is no medicine to make you kind of go from old to young there is something that can make you healthy from unhealthy right and i think that's the industry that we work in so i i feel uh, morally obliged that now i think as a company we should try harder uh, to and be able to understand what formats will work post uh, covid and try our best to help people get fit because i think that's that's the need of the hour uh, and at least that's going to remain for the next few years right so i think that's that's how we look at it that's that's exact absolutely correctly put out like i mean right now everybody is realizing the requirement to be healthy and kind of even seeing it in i mean even the people who are getting infected by covid they are kind of seeing that difference as a healthy person or an unhealthy person would face different consequences out of it uh, but yeah i mean coming back to the whole fitness thing uh, at least i remember you from like uh, being part of the fashion show in college and being into like the fitness space even back then in college so did that uh, like lihood for fitness kind of merge into you taking fraternity up and like how has that in terms of your personal fitness scaled with fraternity no i think uh, thanks for reminding me of fun uh, i think also you know um, when i was in my first job um, uh, we were a e-commerce company in the healthcare space and uh, and we were bunch of other things also we were a pharmacy pharma distribution company but one of those place was e-commerce and i was very strongly involved in that and uh, while i was doing that uh, protein shakes fitness equipment was a major category and uh, when i actually ventured into that category uh, what i realized is that the and this was again my e-commerce learning that the world is moving to a pill plus service model in pharma similarly moving to a equipment plus services model in fitness so you know a lot of people 
if they are taking protein shakes if they are working out need the right guidance to scale up so if i was to look at my own example uh, in in my college days i used to work out myself in the gym and um, and i feel i used to really kind of go wrong i i saw no development for a year or two i used to look the same after putting in hours at the gym and i realized that you know you need the right kind of education uh, so fitness is very education based you need to know what you're doing to kind of do it right right otherwise there's a lot of wasted hours and a, a lot of wasted meals and proteins that go into almost doing nothing and that's when i said that okay how do i find this information online and i i came across this website called bodybuilding.com which is one of the largest in the world and then i realized there is absolutely no india based content so if a bodybuilding.com tells me to buy avocado and acai berry where in bombay am i going to get avocado <laughs> and acai so i said hey there is absolutely a dearth of content uh, which is coupled with a dearth of dearth of ability to find the right service provider and like minded people so what we launched fraternity in the start as was not a dis- just a discovery platform for fitness services we, we used to also have a very strong focus on blogs and articles on indianized content for uh, fitness food mental well being and there was a community based aspect so i think that was what our personal ambition was a year into the business we realized nothing else worked only the discovery platform worked the ability to find gyms so we chucked everything that we thought was important and we went behind the discovery platform uh, which scaled into a marketplace and a subscription company uh, in you know very interestingly the day we launched our website our core business was on our fifth fold of the website so the first four four folds were about community content xyz and uh, i think 18 months into the business none of that even existed so yeah but yeah i have been passionate towards fitness and i have always felt that i personally could do better if i would have had the right guidance so i felt there was a need and i think even um, even if i was to retract what my co-founder said when you know she pitched the idea to me she said that hey i've you know just got married moved to a different home from you know malad which is a suburb to juhu which is a completely different suburb and i wanted to find a gym there was absolutely no gym websites it was only google maps which was half updated and i wanted to call a yoga trainer and i looked up just dial and then the person came home and i was scared looking at that person and i realized this was not a good choice and the fact is that was true there was no validated information out there basis which you could take a decision right so i think that was our personal journeys into starting fitness yeah yep and that's all about your physical health but i think you also mentioned about your mental health and how like entrepreneurial journey kind of takes a toll on that as well so like what do you do to kind of have a sanity check or keep that in place <laughs> uh i think uh, i think the entrepreneurial journey over a period of time really uh uh kind of fine tunes the way you think towards things it make definitely makes you very humble uh because the kind of uh, you know along with the success the kind of failures that you see and uh, are 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 really um, you know are really like difficult to deal with right so you really uh, kind of change as a human being and i think you gear yourself to be able to kind of manage these situations better you know a lot of people uh, you know 
a lot of times i've spoken at different colleges or different events you know a lot of co speakers always say that hey you know uh, always do a startup is the best way to learn you know don't have a plan b just run into it i personally don't agree i i feel that if you want to do something do it very pragmatically if you're not born with a silver spoon then you have a lot of accountability and a lot of responsibility in your life so when you're starting a startup be very sure of what you want to do if it does not work for a couple of years uh, don't be emotionally attached uh, be okay to face that failure that your startup shut down move ahead in your life uh, don't kind of get stuck to it and uh, i think personally at least my opinion would be that if if you are going to start a startup you should have the stomach to take failures and rejection and a lot of uh, uh, you know you need to be cognizant to say that hey you know all your friends will look up to you and say wow you have a startup you've raised millions of dollars but if it kind of shuts down you should be able to face it with the same amount of pride because you've not done anything wrong and i think that is very important and i've unfortunately seen a lot of individuals that startups have shut down have really not been able to grasp that reality right so i think a lot of responsibility comes with startup with a startup and you should be very sure of what you're doing and be okay to face the failures and the successes with the same pride that you would have as an individual i think that's very important that was a great summary of lessons learned running a business <laughs> definitely like <laughs> that is going like at the beginning of the show <laughs> yeah uh, so if you if you like most of our listeners are like college students so if you had to go and give one piece of advice to jayam and dj sangvi like what would you go and tell them i think the first thing i would say is they don't wear baggy pants uh, later on in your <laughs> life you realize that was not the right decision uh, i think uh, other than that what i would uh, you know what i would say is that i think a lot of people in our generation are very ambitious and i would really recommend them to kind of do something ambitious very early on into their career because i think as you grow old your responsibilities also kind of increase so if you are going to take a gamble do take a gamble very early on uh my suggestion would be that if you really want to be an entrepreneur spend 6 months to 2 years either working or interning at a startup because you know really walking into a entrepreneurial journey uh, virgin may not be the right idea uh, because you need to work in a startup to understand how it works how those dynamics work and if it is meant for you right maybe you are not meant to be a startup founder maybe you are meant to be the ceo of jp morgan in india you need to figure it out you can't just walk into something and say hey i'm investing a part of my savings or part of my family's savings into something uh, where you're not very sure so even if you have an idea and that's great maybe launch it after 3 months 6 months after working in uh, environment uh, which would be similar to when you would open a startup and i think a lot of our sta- startups journey i have realized is that sometimes it's not just the idea but the way you execute that is very important uh, so and hence you and hence if you feel that hey this is my idea but my friend could execute this better i will make him a co-founder and do it and not say that hey it's my idea so i know how to execute this better right yeah so i and i i would also say uh, spend more time uh, with people in the computer and it department 
because you will need a technical co-founder at some point in life, uh, which we still don't have at Fraternity. And we always, uh, with a straight face, listen to our CTO and VP Engineering and uh, agree to their timelines. Not because um, we actually trust those timelines, because we have no option, because we don't know how much time it will take ourselves, because we're not engineers and we don't have a technical co-founder. So I think if you're opening a tech startup, please either be a techie or have a techie friend who would do it with you. Newton said, if I've seen the future, it is by standing on shoulders of the giants. We bring to you these giants in the life of our guests. Our next segment is top three, a curated list of top three recommendations from our guests. So we're moving on to our top three, where we'll get some amazing recommendations from your end. Uh, The first recommendation that we would like to know about is uh, the top three books that you like. And if you are a book gifter, which is one of the most gifted book from your end. So, you know, I'm really embarrassed about this, but I don't <laughs> read. Um, you know, the only book I've completed is the first uh, first edition of Harry Potter. This was completely under peer pressure. Um, I'm more of a movies person. And so yeah, I think I can't uh, give you some thoughts over here. That's perfectly, uh, you know, fits into our next question. Three movies or TV show recommendations. Okay, now this I can answer. Um, I think um, the first movie I would recommend is The Lord of the Rings. I think no no uh, cinematic experience has been able to drive uh, those kind of emotions into any movie before, right? I think it is the complete set of uh, experience that you could have in a storytelling uh, format. So I think the Lord of the Rings, definitely. Uh, I think one, and this is a very unique uh, answer, a very different movie. There's this movie called The Mexican, uh, which has Brad Pitt and um, Julia Roberts. It's a very different movie. And uh, I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but it really kind of shows you how uh, destiny plays a very important role in your life. And uh, how, uh, you know, a lot of instances have, have, you think they've not worked for you, but they've actually worked for you. So it's a really interesting uh, movie. I I really recommend that one. Um, I think, you know, to um, one uh, one movie, uh, one TV show, which really kind of spikes up uh, your entrepreneurial thought processes or the way you conduct yourself in offices definitely suits because it kind of, you, you know, we've all tried to behave like Harvey Specter and try to, you know, kind of walk into meetings with that confidence. So I think that that's a really interesting one uh, for me. Yeah. Awesome. So that brings us to the end of our show. And it has been an absolute delight to speak to you, to understand your journey, starting from your transition from engineering to learning from a startup and having your own startup, uh, the kind of challenges that you have faced, the kind of VCs that you have tackled, some great insights in that front as well. And also like really great insights for people who want to start their own startup or people who are still in engineering and how should they go ahead. So overall, to sum it up, great knowledge that we have gained out of this conversation. And it was such a pleasure to know you. Thank you so much for being part of the show.